I mean, really, I, I think the biggest thing we could talk about is huge. What happened yesterday? What happened yesterday? You didn't see? What happened? Dunkin' Donuts. They had their IPO. Really? Really. It was crazy. How come I didn't know about this? I don't know. I was just reading the article right before you got here. You would know about this. I love donuts. <laughs> They're so good. Okay. What's the story? I mean, first day, the shares rose over 50%. And Forbes is all like, well, we don't think they keep up with the hype. And I'm like, America runs on Dunkin'. Where are they trading at? Right now? On the NASDAQ stock market that translated to closing at 2785. Wow. I know. That's a lot of donuts. That's a lot of coffee. It is. People love their coffee. 99 cents. Coffee sounds great right about now. I'd really like for them to sponsor it. It's just like Spotify. I think if I keep talking about them, someone's bound to like hear it, sponsor us. I don't think so. Maybe. I don't think it works that way. I mean, I was just playing with your MacBook, though, in real news, and I noticed you used that stupid inertia scrolling. I love the scrolling. I, I think that when you figure it out and you get used to the whole content moving versus you moving with the content, it makes more sense. I mean, maybe I should not post those articles like I did earlier today then saying, hey, if you don't want to run Lion, I mean, you can what? revert all these features. <laughs> what is that? It's just people like denying change. It's like just it's like those annoying threads you see on facebook oh my god lol there's been a change i can't handle this i i don't know i mean this this is me and i i still do the uh i turn the inertia scrolling off or whatever it's the the backwards scrolling as i like to call it man up and get used to it because things are changing things are changing (laughs) in the apple world they got the launch pad on the os 10 lion and Soon, that's going to be the primary way of looking at your apps. Can yeah. you imagine that? Uh, I know it blows your mind, <laughs> but for some people, that may very well be the way they're accessing their applications. I mean, I am still fully embracing that that full screen thing that you hated. So, I mean, I got you there. Oh, so, yeah, the full screen. I enjoy full screen. Uh, listen to this. Yeah, I, I actually do. And here's why. Because I didn't know you could turn on spaces as well yeah i i figured that out after we talked about that podcast i've got command and then i use command and then can move my arrow key yeah i don't even use the uh, the well the command the the command arrow key instinctually just worked for me what i'm talking about is when you open mission control you can go to the top right and open oh yeah and open space. another yeah well they call it a desktop now not a space whatever it's that's a space. why i didn't understand i mean i get with the times man okay so oh, i open a new desktop right and then Okay, that's just that's my workflow before. The only difference is I don't use the uh, the Apple right. I mean the Apple down or up key to go to a space. I just go right and left. Right, which is okay. It's kind of like watching TV. It's like I swipe channels. Okay, I'm on the Twitter channel. Okay, now I'm on the GarageBand channel. Okay, now I'm on the email channel. It makes sense. It's it's all about the content. It's all about the content. Right. I mean, I I think it's accurate. We. I saw your new your new uh, your new air. Yeah, the new air is pretty sweet. Yeah, I really, I'm really envious of it. Now. I, uh, <clears throat> I I'm I'm sure a lot of people are tickled with uh, slightly textured aluminum NV, as one of my friends said. Um, it's 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 heavier than I thought it would be. The trackpad is nice. I've gotten the hang of the gestures, and I'm all for the step. I think it's really cool what they did is the and now you can see how fast this boots boom dang 
right? That does beat my eight gigs. It, it was, uh, and all I did was just open the flap, guys, and this thing booted in a second. I think this is the future. This is this is the future. I am impressed. It was like turning on my iPad. Now with this, they have the power button. You can see as a chiclet key up in the top right. Yeah, I, they I they that. didn't they didn't give you a separate. <clears throat> and I like that. It gives it a unified look of what you're playing with. And then they changed the uh, expose key over to a mission control. They did. And they're slowly doing that, I guess, with all their other devices as well and all their keyboards. They managed to fit an SD card slot into this too, though I don't really take a whole lot of pictures, so it doesn't really... I would have used another USB port instead. I kind of like that SD card slot. I thought there was something wrong with mine, and I was freaking out the other day because I use it on a daily basis. But I take a lot of pictures. And most importantly, being a traditional laptop guy with a disk drive i'm not really missing it really i don't think i'm ever going to buy a super drive i'll just steal yours all right yeah i've I've got mine laying at home in indianapolis somewhere oh no i meant your laptop no i haven't i had an actual like super drive but yeah no you just want to steal my laptop no yeah i'll just i'll just like it sounds like a virus in some ways right like i'm going to hack your computer and take your right drive you just make i'll I'll turn cd sharing on and you can just steal whatever you want Well, if you've managed to stick with us for this five minutes, this is Weekly Download, episode number six, where we talk about the latest in technology news and pepper in some philosophy and a little bit of discussion on how we think and where things are going. This show could be sponsored by you. If you want to sponsor us, visit our website, www.weeklydownload.com, and click on the sponsorships link, where you can learn more about the site as well as how you can get in touch with us. We'd greatly appreciate any help. Thank you. And we are going to talk about, is this the top download for this week? It's or not. It's not. I, was, I was pulling this up for reference. Okay. Else. So first, let's talk about the 3DS. Now, I went to Fry's like two weeks ago, and they had a 3DS on display. So I opened this thing up, and I'm looking at it, and it, I immediately get a headache. I cannot play with this device. And so... It doesn't surprise me that the news is that a Nintendo reports a loss. Yeah. They are cutting the price of the Nintendo DS by 70 bucks to like 169 And they're giving away 10 games to everyone who has a Nintendo 3DS. What do you think? Fire sale? I mean, I think they're just trying to get rid of it at this point. I, I don't think it's... I think even at 169 it's not going to sell, personally. I just, from what you told me the other day when you said you played with one, it was a little odd feeling the 3D was unnecessary. I just, I don't see it taking off. I don't see 3Ds, t- 3D TVs taking off. I think it's an inconvenience. I think that a 3D game system, a handheld 3D game system especially, is ridiculous. I just Here, don't think it's going to work. Here's the problem with 3D. Our mind is not made to see in 3D. It's not made to see an image layered on an image. That's why there's some sort of like, cognitive dissonance that occurs when you're watching 3d either you want to focus on the background image or the foreground image but you can't focus on both at the same time because that messes with our depth of field perception so when you watch a 3d movie you tend to focus on the content that pops out towards you not really the content that's in the background and that works in a 3d movie because of the amount of space you have between the two images on a 3ds You've got the image that's supposed to be in the background layered right in front of it in an, in an illusionary like one inch between the two 
screens. Right, and this is all happening in a, in a tiny little screen period. And with no glasses. So you automatically, it's called auto-stereoscopic 3D, and you're supposed to automatically reconcile the difference between two, these two images as one in the foreground and one in the background, providing this illusion of a depth, which makes some sense, but in practice is mind-numbingly awful. So I the mean, 3D thing, some people can't do it. I can't. I mean, let's face it anyway. Like, are you going to want to put on a pair of glasses to play your games if, if that's the direction that they went? I mean... Well, clearly that's not the direction that the industry wants to go. They want to do auto-stereoscopic. I mean, even phones now are starting to have 3D in it. But I, I mean, I played with the Sprint 3D phone, but I mean, Sprint is in a whole other mess that we'll talk about we'll later talk in this about anyways. that, yeah. But I mean, I, I just don't see the need for it. And like you said, it's almost like going to the, uh, going to the mall and seeing those stupid little... Uh, those stupid things where you try to figure out what the, what the picture actually is. like Right. Those just, things that you walk past and yeah. you go, oh, okay, that's yeah. in 3D. I, I mean, that was the same with this. Like, I was walking past the aisle and I noticed it was in 3D and I was like, okay, well, might as well check out this novelty. But there is no way in practice I would want to play with this for more than a minute. I turned it off. I turned off the 3D and then the game was a decent game. It was like a Need for Speed sort of port. But... If I'm going to buy a Nintendo 3DS for ports of games that look exactly like the ones on Nintendo 3, uh, Nintendo DSi DS. and Ocarina of Time, sorry, it's not worth the 170 even. But now for some context, I looked up, I was curious because I said, if you can slash the price $70, how much are you losing? Well, it only costs $103 to make a 3DS. So I mean, they're so still, they're making, a still making a decent amount. So let's hope it turns around for them. Um, I, mean, I think they... it's their only bet right now, other than the Wii, because you've got other companies who are doing better things with motion technology. Like if I look at Microsoft and think the Kinect is probably the most successful thing that they've got since um, the Windows stuff. Right. It's it's been tremendously successful, and I mean, I don't play with my Xbox anymore, but I thought about getting it out again to buy a Kinect because I thought it was really incredible when I played with it at the Microsoft Store. I mean, I'm a type of guy who likes to play with his thumbs, so I wasn't that excited about the idea, the prospect of getting up and playing my video games. But a lot of people are all over the idea, so hey, you know, I think Microsoft needs to shift its view in that direction. In the meantime, Nintendo posted a 25.5 billion yen loss. That's 328 million. That was their net loss. That's that's, that's kind of sad, but yeah. it just shows that the console area, the the things are changing. I mean, mobile computing, mobile gaming, it's becoming a huger space. EA announced that they're making more money on the iPad than any other platform that they have. Right, and I think that Nintendo is fundamentally looking at it the wrong way, and I was reading an article before we started this podcast essentially saying they're still focused too much on hardware. This isn't about hardware anymore. This is about software. Exactly. And, I mean, EA just proved that. Exactly. So, I mean, one other thing we were going to talk about, I think, that was shifting the gear a little bit more towards Apple was uh, Steve Jobs and needing a replacement. So, this is this week's top download. This week's top download could be sponsored by you. Visit the weeklydownload.com website and click on the sponsorships link where we'll talk about your product for a good minute and discuss how we feel about it. And it's usually good because we love your stuff when you come and talk to us. So, feel free to visit the website and learn more about that. And if you have any questions, you can email us contact at weeklydownload.com. 
So this week's top download, the replacement for Steve Jobs. This is not something that can be talked about lightly. And I think that it's been talked about a lot lately and everyone's still sort of saying, hmm, this is what's going to happen. We've got quite a wheel of characters you could choose from for this position. But as you go through them, you quickly realize how much they actually wouldn't help Apple move in the post-Steve Jobs era. Right. I mean, we have Tim Cook, who's at the helm right now. And he's doing a good job. Yeah, But Steve is still there, clearly. And I mean, you read about this and he's still on helping on a day-to-day basis. So, I mean, Steve is still, I think, at I the think, forefront of the company. I think day-to-day really means, hey, Steve, do you think we should have the lighted orbs in the final retail release of Lion or not? And he'll go... Yeah, I think we should. And then that is so shall it be written, so shall it be done, Steve Jobs style. It gets deployed on all of the devices because he said so. But I think the day-to-day operations, you got to trust him. You got to trust your guy. I mean, but I think he's good at that. Yeah, and you pay millions of dollars and give millions of dollars of stock options too. So I think Tim has a lot of the nuanced sort of decisions that a ceo could make but they they don't just have all of the decisions up at the ceo level the vision i mean that's the key thing so who's gonna have vision who's gonna be able to set apple in the right direction for the next 10 years i think steve already has a great sort of value chain built he's they've got a great retail store vision that's only growing they've got awesome production quality and all of their products and that can only move in a good direction too it can also move bad but given the way they figured out their products i think it's moving in a great direction so there's really a lot of room to mess up but given that they have done so well i just don't see it happening anytime soon with or without steve and the only guy who knows this better than anyone it is tim cook exactly now you can play around with the other number uh, the other players um eric schmidt he just stepped down from google they give the reins to you know sergey um so i just i don't feel like eric schmidt is quite uh, he seemed different to me than than when you think about the people that have run apple i mean i know he was on apple's board so maybe it's just the sort of public appearance that i get from him he just he seems different than his public appearance is circa 1990s 1980s right silicon valley rather than post 2000 post 2000 you have to think of jack dorsey and that's why i was really excited when john gruber brought this up that what about jack dorsey well if anyone who's outside of apple would be worthwhile i think you can look at this character who has reinvented twitter again basically to be a revolutionary service that we're all using and it's stayed persistent even though people you know, called it out in the similar fashion that Apple did. Somehow it managed to survive its ultimate decline in the 1990s. And so that sort of fight back spirit, I think Jack Dorsey definitely could bring some great inspiration and knowledge to the table. Right. But ultimately, why would he leave? You know, he he seems to be the kind of guy who's an innovator in a different way. He's going to be known for what he does in the social media space and now in his business square which if it goes public square has a guaranteed profit model you swipe and you get money and apple's using square lots of companies are using square i think that is his golden egg 
But Twitter is definitely something that's going to have to change and evolve with what Google Plus has. But that's a different story. But then you've got who else could you talk about? I mean, I've the name Jonathan Ive has been thrown around several times, but I just don't think that he is the kind of guy who can run the company. I mean, he certainly has made some fantastic products. The father, so to speak, of the iPod. He made some of the old iMacs from back in the day. Jonathan was, Ive reminds me of that favorite wrench you have in a toolbox that you always pull out and go, yep, this is my ace in the hole. This is going to work when all of my other tools fail. If I have a product and I have a vision for it, I could go to Johnny Ive and say, hey, this is what I've got. What do you think? And he's going to come out with the most brilliant sketch, and we're all going to thank him for it in a few years. The iPod being one, the iPhone being another, the iPad being another. And the iMac. So you look at, for example, who would have thunk that the iPad, when it first came out, when everyone was calling it a big iPhone, was going to be a success? Johnny Ive knew. He knew that... Why not take what we've got instead of trying to come up with something completely radically different that people may or may not get used to, stick with what you know. And that's what he's good at. And that's what Apple has been good at in general. So, yeah, it makes sense that you want to cling on. I think if nothing else, he should definitely be kept around because I, I feel like he's got something that no other company has. And there's always this aura about him when he's talking. Like, I always am like, yeah, he does a really good job with presentation. I really hope it's... Not Scott Forstall. That guy seems like he's young. He's very ambitious. He seems very Apple-y, but he doesn't seem like he could lead a company. I, I just think he's doing a really good job with what he's doing. Right. So. I mean, I, I think that Tim Cook would be my choice for for Apple, internal Apple, probably. It's a boring choice, but it's the choice that makes the most sense for Apple's future in the long run. If you guys have any thoughts about who you think Steve Jobs' replacement should be, if he can possibly be replaced, his successor, if you would like to put it as such, send us an email at contact at weeklydownload.com. We'd love to hear from you. So we kind of, I kind of alluded to this, and that's Twitter is kind of, you know, keeping its reins in the right direction, moving in a moving at a solid pace they just now announced a profit model for their advertising business and they're going to take sort of a measure twice cut one sort of strategy they're going to push out the advertisements very slowly on their website not on any of their mobile ads and hope that the stream that follows is something that people get used to i mean last time when they tried to just bombard sponsorships to people it yeah it was a flop. It was a flop. And even the featured tweets, there seems to be no real use in them because they're just used as vehicles for other spammers to kind of take a take a control of. And that reminds me of a problem that Twitter has in general that everyone said, and that's spamming. You know, at least Google Plus being an invite-only service, you only get people who actually care to use the service. With Twitter, it can be anyone. Now, Twitter seems to rate a useful user of Twitter to be someone who follows 30 people and has 10 people follow them. With that in mind, only 2 million, I believe was the number, of people using Twitter actually are the active users that right. follow I, that demographic. I read an article not too long ago that said that. Now, Google Plus reached its 10 million views the fastest fastest than any other service. However, it's on the decline. 
it's on the decline. So it seems to be declining for whatever reason. New hotness is now old hotness. And everyone's asking, what's the big thing? What does Google Plus need to do? I've heard some great suggestions out there. Uh, for one thing, that chat doesn't seem to be completely realized. I just noticed today, after I wrote my post about what Google Plus could do, chat is there. It's on the left, on the side. left side. Yeah. You have to click on it to open it. Otherwise, I would have never seen it. And then, too, it doesn't really interact with the content that's sitting right next to it. It's just I have to chat with someone by clicking on the chat, and I can only chat within that space. I can't chat by clicking on a person's name and just clicking chat. That seems to be the more appropriate approach if you're in that kind of ecosystem. Right. It, it seems like it'd be an inconvenience. But I, I mean, I still haven't used the chat within Google+. Plus. So have you used, now you've used Google+, Plus for about a week, I'd well, say. Yeah, week or give, two give or take. So what do you think? I mean, honestly, this is what I was going to address when I when I realized we were going to talk about this some today. I haven't been using it. Like, I mean, I go to it maybe once a day, and I'm just... I'm just not, I'm not using it. I, I don't see the need for it. I mean, maybe it's just that I'm not posting, like I'm not looking at the content enough or anything like that. But most of the people, when I'm looking at the stuff they're posting, I'm seeing it on other social networking sites too. Like they're posting it in multiple places. So do you think it's become a megaphone? I mean, to me, yes. At least the people that I'm, are in my stream, are in my circles. See, this is the exact problem that I point out. It's that it's like yelling. Just... There are a few circles. You can have a friend circle and all your friends are going, ah, and then you've got people you're following and they're all going like even a louder, ah. Oh, yeah. And what do you do? You know, you can try and filter them out even further by removing people from the circle, which which is a clunky system. It seems a lot easier to add people into circles than to than remove people. Yeah, I, I had to move some people around and I thought it was a big hassle because I was trying to make different circles and... So, and I still haven't quite figured out the healthy balance of what my circles are. I just kind of uh, use right? the stock yeah. Google way of friends following acquaintances and kind of just went with that. I've but, sort of stuck people in like different, like I work at two different jobs, so I stick people in one job category and another job and try to keep people academically in a different setting. But it's tough, like, because then you're like, well, some of these people are friends, some are coworkers. Do I stick them in both? Do I not stick them in one? Do I? Well, I have no problem sticking people in two circles. I've been sticking people in two. But more than two, it's just like, well, why don't What's I just the follow the public stream? So, and then another interesting thing about the circles is they gave you a guideline as to what circles should be to start with. If Google Plus wanted to be really revolutionary, they should just not have any circles at all. They should force the user to make a choice as to what their first new circle should be. They'll probably call it friends. And then they'll realize, well, friends is becoming a bit too unwieldy. And they'll open another circle, which is much smaller. And then they'll open another circle smaller than that. And then probably settle for another circle somewhere in between. So you can see this sort of evolution of thought that the original template doesn't really allow for. It's really just following. So you can throw everyone in there. Theoretically, you want to follow everyone. And then you can throw half of the following in friends and then between friends and following you've got acquaintances that seems to be what google is thinking but in practice everyone seems to be yelling the same amount and it's a hassle too like as silly as it sounds i don't want to have to think strategically start thinking where am i going to put these people in these circles like i feel like at that point it's being overdone and that's why facebook seems to be still around and 
even though Google Plus is new, Facebook's has the way, if you would choose, to make lists, to make lists of friends. But and nobody you can do uses it either it. way. Yeah, you can do it either way. And I think the fact that no one's using it is telling. Like I think that that's the way people want it to go. On Facebook, somehow, I still manage to see the people I care about on my news feed, on the, on the equivalent of what is the Google master stream. I still see the things I care about, despite not having everyone show up on there there are people that i somehow care about which is part of their algorithm part of their friend algorithm that yeah it makes sense that i see that person and why isn't google doing any of that guesswork maybe they are but if they are they're doing a poor job at it because i've got 77 friends and robert scoble is taking up my entire feed and you would think being the kings of search like the people who build out uh, such good algorithms i think you mentioned some of this if i remember correctly like these this this should be a no-brainer for them. Like, this should be what they're best in. Right. Well, you know, time will tell, you know, how they manage to evolve their service. I think they need to faster than some other services because of how much sort of weight that service currently has in, in comparison to Facebook and Twitter. But if they don't start picking up what they're, you know, using their core competencies with search and start baking it into the service, then... You know, fundamentally, it seems like a waste to open that up in a new tab. It's done. I, I think that it, it's useless. The big it. advantage of them is that they're Google, and they have a big, ugly black bar on every top on the top of every one of their pages. I like their black bar, by the way. Well, but it's it's there. It's right. like an eyesore, though, in comparison to the white. So it, it persists there for you to check it, but if everyone kind of just stares at it and doesn't do anything with it, then there's a result of nobody saying anything. It's either yelling or complete whispers. There's like nothing, there's no happy medium in between yet. And that's my biggest gripe. There are more gripes about it in the blog itself. And readers should just check it out on the site. It's called, what is Google's next step? Google Plus's next step. Something along those lines. Um, so keeping with decline and worry, I mean, we got this. I'm glad we started out on the good note with Dunkin' Donuts. Now I'm really wanting some coffee. It's too bad they closed that one in Bloomington, but they're pulling up that pot belly, but that's for another intro on another day. I can't wait for that sandwich shop. I love pot belly. So you've got decline on the news feed and Sprint. Right. They so, go so Sprint posts a big quarter loss. Why? They blame not having the iPhone. I think that's a, a an almost childish thing to do. Like, very, I, I can't very do it. lousy cop out. Now I don't know actually because I was trying to find the exact quote where someone actually said that, but it just seemed that news media outlets kind of picked it up and made that their headline. Sprint colon yes, we like the iPhone was the one I pulled, but I'm sure that there are other news outlets that kind of agree the same way. Is that really the reason that Sprint declined? I mean, this company's been on the decline for several years now. And as you mentioned in the, in your blog earlier, or the blog you referenced earlier, Nextel, I think, was... These companies start innovating in the smartphone market, and what did they do? They buy a walkie-talkie company. It's exactly what? that. It, it cannot be described in any other way. Nextel is a walkie-talkie company. Sprint was a phone company. So they took their heads and they banged them together and made a walkie-talkie phone. In a time where smartphones were becoming the bigger deal. They weren't huge yet, but it was cool. the writing was on the wall. And they went back to the cave, basically. 
So you're telling me that because you didn't have an iPhone, that's why you failed? I'm sorry. The way the reason you failed was 10 years ago by making that bet. And by the way, not a bad bet if you marketed it correctly. The idea of having instantaneous GPS on all of your employees and being able to instantly talk with them with the touch of a button, pretty interesting concept. No one else was doing it, so you didn't really have much competition. But everyone wants the phone with the features. Everyone wants to be able to look at a GUI, look at an interface, feel intimate with their phones nowadays. You have to touch it. You have to interact. Right. On a walkie-talkie phone, it's nothing more than a walkie-talkie. And why not spend the extra money? I mean, yeah, it's going to cost you a ton, but they lost almost a billion dollars this quarter. They could have innovated a long time ago and said, how can we put all these features in a smartphone? How can we squeeze everything together? But let me ask you, if you had an iPhone with a walkie-talkie on it... I mean, I'm not going to use it, but... You'd never push the button? No. See, I don't think I would push the button. But maybe, well, if I mean, they made the walkie-talkie a bit more useful, they would push the button. In 2006, I had an HTC device that had AT&T's push-to-talk, which was supposed to rival um nextel service and i never heard much more about push to talk and it lasted all of about six months and then i never saw it on another device hmm. so I, I think that it was it was silly i mean maybe i'll try to dig up an article and post it and see if i can just for retro's sake show you what push the talk was for anyone that doesn't know what it was but it was essentially a rival to nextel and it failed and at&t moved on with their life sprint is still halfway banging their head against a wall with Nextel devices. Sprint and the other big company that comes to mind when you think about companies that don't have the iPhone is RIM. So RIM has stubbornly stuck to the BlackBerry as their primary champion model. And now we see that phones that have the bottom half, as Steve Jobs said back when he introduced the iPhone, don't make sense anymore. They're not contextualized to what you're doing on the phone. And if they're not, then you've just got a bottom half of a keyboard where you can't really use it. I mean, think about it. With all the features that we're trying to put into phones, the only thing that a BlackBerry really has that allows you to interact with said features is the little ball, ball uh, scroll. Yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, they do have this new it. phone that's coming out that has the touchscreen on the top. But I, I still think it's... I think we've heard of that before. It was yeah, exactly. called the Storm. Yeah. And, and we saw it failed happened. because... Who wants to click the entire screen as a giant button? And they tried the torch, which I think has a slide-out keyboard, and we saw how well the torch took off, so we'll try it one more time. As soon as you say slide anything, it sounds like a failure these days. Exactly. I just, I, I don't know. So Let's Sprint, you know, you're on the radar, and it's not because you don't have the iPhone, it's because you need to figure out your product strategy for the next 10 years. What I want to know is, since the iPhone now has a CDMA antenna in it, which works with Sprint, we might see a Sprint iPhone. I mean, I couldn't see Apple giving Sprint an iPhone, because, I mean, they want to go where the profit is, and clearly that's not where the profit's at. But if they got it, I still think we'd be looking at these same results. I think we would see a little bit better of a quarter, and I think that people would be impressed but the reason that there was such a push for verizon to have the iphone was because of the user base you were either on at&t or you on or you were on verizon or you're on t-mobile but t-mobile's getting swallowed by at&t so it's a moot point right nobody and i mean there really... are a million I, there are a million iphones on AT, on t-mobile's network anyway the only reason you're on sprint is for that 4g service which is not even available everywhere 
And their amount of subscribers is dwarfed by that of Verizon and AT&T. So that is why, you know, Apple will never even think about it. I'm sorry. I don't even know why there's even discussion about Sprint getting an iPhone. If there's discussion about Sprint getting an iPhone, there might as well be discussion about... U.S. cellular or random tiny, I mean, yeah, junk carriers, for lack of a better term. Revolt getting an iPhone. I just, uh, I, I'm going to agree with you. I, I think that news outlets taking those media rumors seriously is foolish. And it's not like the iPhone is should be the holy grail of phones. It should be whatever the next type of phone is. If I were Sprint and running the company, I wouldn't go, man, we need the iPhone. I would think, man, we need a killer product. And who would I turn to? I would turn to HTC. HTC is coming out with some great products. They've always been, in my mind, the number two in manufacturing phones. So if if you can approach HTC with this concept of a phone, which, by the way, this is what Apple did. They come up with a concept of a phone. They came up with the phone, and they spoke the rules. So Sprint being a carrier, it's a little bit of an inverse relationship. They need to approach HTC. But if they give HTC the reins to do what they want, to come out with a great product, then you may see, finally, a competitor that's worthwhile. And I think it's certainly be interesting to watch this work in reverse. It might be something really innovative and really cool if a if a carrier is coming out with this device and, and planning and wanting to help plan this device. It's certainly not too little too late. I mean, Sprint is still a force of nature, a force to be reckoned with in the cell phone world. But they're slowly declining if they don't make any moves right now. The last topic, oh, we still we got a lot to talk about this week. We do. We are going to talk about something you posted. Politics. Okay. Social media. I mean, you're a big political buff. I'm, I guess... I think you're an up-and-coming... I mean, I see a lot of posts on Twitter and things like that with politics. Well, because it's politics season. Right. And it's something to talk about. But, and I'm a huge fan of following people on Twitter who are into politics because of all the social media mediums... Media mediums. You can say that, right? Right. So of all the social media mediums, this is the one medium, Twitter, that I can follow someone and talk to them and they're going to talk they're gonna back. They're going to respond back. And that's another thing that I talk about in the blog uh, about where Google Plus is going. That just doesn't exist on Google Plus. You yell along with everyone else's yelling. Who's going to hear you there? But on Twitter, even though it's similar to yelling, but it's compartmentalized yelling and it's short bursts of yelling. You know, I only have 140 characters to say my piece. And so does the political advocate of whatever he wishes to right. You know, talk about. So... These people on their platforms on Twitter, you know, they have a voice that is intimate. It speaks directly to you should you choose to listen. And so I think there's a huge impact with that space. And I was really excited when Twitter partnered with the White House to do that town hall. I thought that was the coolest use of Twitter I have ever seen. It was it was certainly interesting. I, I thought that was interesting. I thought the the GOP debate that was done through Twitter was interesting, where the candidates recently had they had 140 characters to basically speak what they wanted to say. I got on the big board. I remember on CNN when you were on the board, yeah. I got on the big board, and yeah. then The Daily Show put me on the picture, too. Right, nice. I didn't know that part. Yeah, they, yeah. they, they actually, when Jon Stewart was making fun of Twitter, <laughs> on the left, you can see my little handle, Tarun Gangwani, 
on Twitter. And Very nice. I asked a tough question, but um, I heard it didn't get responded. Well, no, it kind of was just like, well, we'll talk about these things. I was like, wow, what a lame result to being on the big board. But hey, whatever, it got yeah. me famous, so. Right. I'm like huge now. People right. walk me down the street and they're like, You're that guy. With the green shirt. <laughs> wow. You know, I actually photoshopped that shirt to be green. It's actually a no blue way. shirt. It's a blue shirt. Um, that changes everything. I must have blown your mind. You did. That's crazy. But, but I mean, really, it's incredible to me that that this is such a, a powerful thing that we're not talking about people coming to these, like, we're coming to these town halls and sitting there. These town halls can be done anywhere, and everyone's interacting with these candidates. Not just the United States, the whole the world. world. The whole world. Someone in, you know, Britain could decide if they believe in that sort of democracy thing. <laughs> could decide, hey, let's have a Twitter sort of caucus. I don't know what you call them in you know, Britain, but okay. the concept remains where you could have a gathering of people, wherever you are, and discuss things. That's the beauty of what social media has brought to the table. It's a medium of communication that you don't that's that's kind of armchair that you don't have to be, you know, all meeting at the Starbucks later to discuss something. You can discuss things and have tweet-ups. You can have hangouts. You can have circles. You can have all of these things that you'd always imagined could happen and finally happen. It's just now people are so used to it that the next big thing needs to happen faster and faster and faster. Right. But I think this is a problem for politics to some extent because I think it is very difficult for political campaigns especially to really understand where they need to go with social media and how they need to control it. Right. I mean, some people are pretty good at it and some people are terrible. Right. I mean, I think that in 2008, and I don't want to make this a buy it, like I'm certainly we're talking just from a, a technology standpoint, I think that the 2008 Barack Obama campaign really changed the way politics looked at social media or, social media was involved in politics. And I'm really curious to see what the next two years look like as we watch the other side try to figure out exactly how to use social media. So that was weekly download number six, potentially sponsored by you. If you'd Dunkin like to Donuts. sponsor... Yeah, Dunkin' Donuts. If you'd like to sponsor our show, visit www.weeklydownload.com and click on the sponsorships link. We're on the social networks. We're on Twitter, Weekly D, and on Facebook, and we'd like to have a Google Plus profile, but we're not quite there yet. So in the meantime, stick to those two services. We're also on iTunes. We're really looking for ratings on there so we can get to the what's hot. So if you like our show, please rate us. Give us a comment. Any feedback, really encouraged. We love when listeners give feedback. So try any of those mediums of communication, and we'll see you next week. Thanks.